testing the audio. I don't know if it's even working. Okay, great. All right, we're doing this. We're here. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming. <laughs> okay, gotta get my notes. You know what I love? The fact that after the last episode, I was like, I'm gonna make sure that this next episode, I script out every single thing I want to say. And I have a page and a half of incoherent notes. And yet here I am fully recording. So it's fine. Um, I wanted to talk about something. I, <laughs> I've been in the void. I'm coming out of the void. Today, I feel like it's the first day that I'm fully, almost like almost fully emerged from the void. I've been in it for like a week and a half. And the void for me um, is, it reminds me a lot of where I used to live um always the darkness there is um a a darkness <laughs> and kind of like a meaninglessness like purposelessness everything is nothing everything feels boring in the void like even the things that i love the most in the world um and that usually get me like super excited about life um it just feels boring and nothing is hitting the same um it's just this overall like blah feeling and usually for me, what happens is I get basically triggered into it. Um, not triggered is probably the wrong word. Um, I get t I get sent there by some life experience that is a trauma or is a remembering of past trauma. Usually, it's like a it's it's where you go to sort of unpack and feel your feelings. And I recently had. Um, I've been going through this year, I've been going through some personal, just, you know, the unpacking of your childhood trauma, like whatever, whatever that means to you. And it doesn't have to be like some ginormous thing. It's usually like, I don't know, all of our parents were boomers. Like none of them knew what the fuck they were doing. They were just having kids willy nilly and literally just not doing shit to prepare for that or like to come up with the conscious, intentional ways of parenting. We're going to, I'm sure, get into that at some point. I will get on my sanctimonious high horse and talk about how I know more about parenting than my parents, even though I've never had a child or even a plant that I've managed to keep alive. That's actually a lie. I have some plants now um, that I have kept alive. And I, I do kind of want to mention that and, and sort of say, yeah, like I can keep something alive. So fuck off. <laughs> All right. Coming in super hot. Love that. Love that for us today. Um, okay. So... Just one last note on the void. Why am I talking about this? Um, when I say that it reminds me of where I used to live, it's because it kind of feels the same. It feels similar to um, that depression feeling, that heaviness, um, but it's a little bit different because it's not It's not from that place of like, I'm not worthy or I suck. Like it's not that self-hatred place. Um, it's more of just like, a nothingness feeling. Um, and I feel like the difference between then and now is there's a lot of differences, but um, like the awakening, the ascension journey, the the love and light, you know, like the seeing, seeing the love and light allows there, f allows for there to be light in your life. But that doesn't mean that you're never going to experience darkness and it's it's they coexist and they co-mingle together and it's like a dance. And so when the darkness comes, you just live in the darkness sometimes. And that's what I was doing for the last week and a half. So, <clears throat> 
But I'm honestly, I'm so grateful to be coming out of it. Like, even though I talk about how like everything is neutral and no experience needs to be judged or tried to escape from, it's like, this is the opposite of how I feel sometimes in the moment. Like I, I can't always see that perspective. And, and that's kind of when I talk, what I want to talk about today, um, because I want to talk about addiction, <laughs> specifically my addiction, um, I am an addict. I am addicted to marijuana, (laughs) which is a drug. It is a drug. And I want to use, I want to use a definition of addiction that I recently heard on, um, an episode of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcast, which is basically like repurposed old episodes of Oprah. And this one happened to be, um, from 2001. And, it, I think it's called like on temptation or something or temptation is a gift. I forget exactly what it's called, but you can look it up. It's with Gary Zukov, who is an author and a spiritual like leader and teacher. And um, he describes addiction as the thing that's most out of control in your life. I just want to make sure that the audio is going because I'm nervous that I'm going to get in flow and that it's not going to be recording. Okay, we're recording. We're, <laughs> we're recording. I don't know why I'm paranoid. Okay apologies. Uh, so he describes addiction as the thing that's most out of control in your life. Um, and the show was basically all about these like middle-class white women in 2001 who were like addicted to shopping. Um, and I think it was meant to be like, we all have addictions. Like, you know, it's not just the people who have like uh, problems with drug abuse and stuff or alcoholism. Um, and he described, he talks about how, um, this idea that temptation is a loving gift from the universe because it allows you to see an element of your personality that needs to be healed. All right. So I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't even know if we're talking about that right now, but I want to talk about weed. Um, uh, okay. Marijuana is the thing that is most out of control in my life. Um, if I'm being honest and I experience temptation for marijuana almost constantly, Um, and it's like a miracle that I'm, I mean, I do pretty much like, especially when I'm in the void, I'm like chain smoking marijuana every second of every day. I just, it's, it feels like the only thing that can get me through, but it's actually not like, it doesn't even do that. Like, again, like I was saying earlier in the void, like it doesn't even, things that I love don't even feel that good. Um, and so it's like, I cling to it in honestly in an attempt to escape from my negative feelings so I want to talk about my first experiences with weed and how my relationship with it has evolved over time so the first time I ever smoked weed I was 19 um I was in between it was the summer between my first and second years of college and my first year of college I had this like I was in this toxic best friendship with this girl who it was one of those relationships where there's like a leader and a follower and I was definitely the follower um I was obsessed with giving my power away at that time um and I loved when someone would come into my life and sort of start to dictate what I could and couldn't do and then I would complain about it but I loved it like I wanted it I clearly chose that and that's on me um this girl like hated weed and she like judged everyone in our vicinity who smoked it 
She thought that they were like lazy and weird freaks. And I was just nodding and being like, yeah, 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 they're lazy and weird freaks, like for sure. And (laughs) didn't really stop to check in with myself and think about how I thought or what I felt about it. Until I had my first experience where I was in Los Angeles visiting my sister, my older sister, and I was staying with her and her cool Hollywood friends. And it was the 4th of July and we decided to um, watch National Treasure, (laughs) which is the closest thing to patriotism that I can really muster um, then and now. It remains a staple in my life. Nicolas Cage's whole body of work. Um, It's really inspiring to me, but (laughs) we decided to get high and the feeling was amazing. I was like, wait, this is incredible. Um, I just felt like warm and everything was funny. Nicolas Cage was like a hundred times better than he normally is, which you wouldn't even think he could get that good. Um, just the whole like plot of the movie and the music and everything, it just was so heightened. And I mean, if you've smoked weed, you know what that feels like. And it's, it's awesome. Um, and at that point I knew that I was going to be a stoner. (laughs) I didn't know at that point how bad it was going to get and how I was actually going to become like addicted Because I think the discourse around weed, even now and then, you know, in the last like 10 years, it's, it's definitely become a lot like less demonized in our society, which I think is a good thing. Like, I don't think the problem ever has been weed itself. It's always been my relationship with it. And it's been me and my abuse of it. Um, But like weed itself, like, I, I think it has great benefits. And um it's just like a fun experience and I see no reason why we should we should be allowed to drink alcohol constantly and not smoke weed. Like to me, weed is a lot less damaging to your health and to society and to just like your individual personhood than alcohol is. But that's just my own opinion, I think. Don't at me for that. Um, so you know what? I'm just going to put my notes away because they're distracting me and I'm I'm not sure if they're helpful. I want like a cool screensaver or something that I can just like stare at. I wonder if I can find something. I'm going to Google like psychedelic vibes. I'm going to YouTube. Psychedelic visuals. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is what I want to (laughs) watch. Yes. Oh my God. This is so good. I love this. Okay. So... I get back to school um, for my second year at UVA and I already have some friends who are stoners basically and I have avoided like doing it with them because of all of this like preconceived judgment that I felt that I had sort of taken on from this other person. But once I got back to school, I was like, no, 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 like I'm doing this. Like I don't care what anyone says. And it's funny because by the end of my first year, I sort of understood that this friendship like couldn't last, but I didn't... I didn't like conch I wasn't consciously trying to do anything, but basically pretty shortly into the year, um, there was all this drama that I was involved in. <laughs> and it was of course around a guy. Um, it was this guy that I was kind of friends with and we were all kind of friends with and 
he was, you know, I was smoking with him a little bit early in the year and then it's just sort of escalated and it's like not even worth getting into the details, but basically like all my friends started to hate me and like people that I was living with were like I was estranged from them basically and this best friendship that I was in was had crumbled um completely and this was like week two into the school year and I was living with with these people with like a bunch of people that I had been friends with um and I found myself turning to weed in this time of emotional turmoil in my life I was really not doing well um I just felt really bad about everything and I never wanted to be hurtful to anyone and I never wanted to be involved in drama. I was always very conflict averse. I've always been very, very conflict averse. And even when it was happening, I completely shut down and I was just like going into freeze response mode. And later I want to talk about how um, marijuana, like I feel like plays with, plays into my freeze trauma response. Um, But we'll get, we'll get to that. But yeah, so I would spend a lot of nights like at this these other people's apartment, smoke weed with them, and there was something about the experience now that I was in this negative, like bad place in my life that it, it felt very comforting um, in my body, and it also felt uh, I felt the distinct pleasure of having my memory completely wiped and just forgetting, like just forgetting that this was happening, Um, forgetting that there was drama, forgetting that my friends hated me, forgetting that I had destroyed my life. Like (laughs) I was very dramatic, Um, but I just wanted to forget. And there was also something about it that was like kind of forces you to, it forces you into the now moment, which I didn't really have the language for back then. Um, I didn't know about like living in the present or whatever. And, but I, I remember feeling like, wow, there's only right now. And like, I'm feeling good right now. (laughs) Um, and so that kind of became my life. And I started dating this guy, the guy that I mentioned earlier, who all the drama was about. And we quickly became one of those couples who just gets high all the time. Um, I totally, lost contact with everyone in my life. I wasn't building friendships. I was not really even like going out. Um, and like, it's my second year of college. Like I'm wanting to live my life, but it just didn't feel safe. I also had, um, a lot of the drama and a lot of the bad, like negative things that had happened at college thus far. It felt like I was blaming alcohol for, I was, you know, blaming on the alcohol. I was basically, I just said, you know, alcohol doesn't work with me. I don't, it doesn't like me. I become crazy on it. Um, I become this unrecognizable, like insane, self-destructive person who can't control herself. And therefore, I'm just going to do weed because weed allows me to, it, it provides this like safety and comfort and it, it gives me this like security blanket and I can wrap myself in and I can just binge watch episodes of Survivor until I die. <laughs> like, it, it was, it was just, it escalated and I, it's happened over time. It didn't happen like immediately. Um, but basically over the next few years, I, um, I turned to weed as a crutch 
and it was no longer something that I was doing recreationally. And I remember thinking that word like recreationally, but what I was doing wasn't like fun. It wasn't like bringing me joy. It was just staving off. It was just staving off pain, basically. So, okay, what happened next? I mean, my last year of college was truly constant, just darkness. Um, I was, I had this bong that I kept (laughs) by my bed and it was broken. And so it had this like dish towel, this like dirty dish towel that was like wrapped around it with like a rubber band. It was the jankiest thing ever. It was such like a symbol of metaphor for like my relationship with weed where it's just like, yeah, you're not good right now. Like you're not doing well. And, you know, I had a lot of co-addictions, you know, food being one of them. Food was like the original weed for me. Um, Like back before I knew about drugs, food was that, that constant, that best friend, that thing that you can cling to when you are sad, you know? Um, And so those two things, you know, I, I learned early on about how amazing food tastes when you're high. (laughs) And I was like, this is fantastic. I can merge my two great loves. (laughs) So if you listen to Syllabus Week, you know that um, after my fourth year of college, I was in, in my fourth year of college, I was very depressed and fully addicted, fully, fully, fully addicted. I would never have admitted that. Um, In fact, during this whole time, like I would say between like 2013 and 2015, 2016 um there were a couple times where like in my in my relationship with my with my then boyfriend who was like a stoner type he would be like hey um maybe we should take a tea break like a tolerance break which is where you stop if you don't know is where you stop smoking um cannabis for just like a brief period of time to like acclimate and and reinvigorate your tolerance basically because after a while once when you smoke a lot it stops having the same effect. It's just like anything. It stops having the same, it starts, stops hitting, you know, in that same way that you want it to. And so taking a tea break is a nice way to sort of reset, recalibrate your body and then go back into your stoner ways. Um, and when he would suggest that, I would look at him like he would had like five heads. I was like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Like, literally, no. I was like, you can do that, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> And it's funny, like, how defensive I got around. It's, like, classic addict. Like, it's it's funny because people don't talk about weed as everyone knows it's not, like, physically addictive. But And, like, the, the admission that you're psychologically addicted to it is, like, really embarrassing, I guess. But, like, it's my reality. It's my truth, whatever. And I was acting like an addict. I was, like, the audacity for someone to think that they can take away my drug. And then... There was this one time that um, I was always the one who bought our weed. And um, there was this one time I was visiting him for like a weekend over the summer. And I just bought us some for the weekend. And then there was like a party or like an event or something at the at the apartment like building. And people were coming in and out. And I realized that um, we had left it out and someone had just stolen it. And the way that I was like, how do I press charges? (laughs) I was like, I'm pressing charges before I realized that I'm trying to report someone stealing my drugs. (laughs) 
Oh my God. So insane. And I was like, this person, I will hunt them down. Like I was full body, just like livid. And it's just these little things that happened that, you know, should have been indicators to me and definitely were indicators to me that I had a problem, but I was super not going to look at that. I was super not willing to, to look at it, you know, in any real way. Um, unlike now, now I'm evolved and perfect. <laughs> so anyway, what was I saying? Okay. Yeah. So I graduate and start having to get my shit together. Um, just because I got this job and I also didn't want to keep living my life this way. Like I was, I felt like I had basically been just like waiting for graduation until I could finally leave and like live my life not at this place anymore. So pathetic. It's like you're at the most, you're in the most privileged place in the world. And I was like, this sucks. But I don't know, to me it did. Anyway, um, I, I, I moved to DC and I still am smoking like pretty regularly, but not like all day, every day. And it's not, it's, it can no longer be, um, as much a part of my life, basically. It's just the, the life circumstances sort of changed that. And that's where the not physical, not physically addictive properties come into play because it's like, I didn't, I almost like didn't really notice because there was so much else going on. Um, and I actually remember like, starting to have dreams again, which I, I had realized that I had not had dreams in like three or four years. And then I had a, like, a, I started having dreams and I was like, holy shit, this stuff really does affect you. You know, like it, I, I, I sort of had a defense mechanism for me around weed was like just constantly saying that weed isn't bad. Weed isn't bad for me. It's good for me. Like it helps me, it helps me through the day. Um, when, you know, again, it's not about the drug itself. It's about my relationship to it. And, um, I started to feel better. I started to feel kind of good about my life again, um, more in control and better about myself. And just, I was getting stuff done and just feeling alive again. Um, but I was still, I was had a more of like a healthy relationship with it. I would say like, I would go to work every day and occasionally like during the week or on the weekends, I would come home during the week or on the weekends. I'm like Meredith from the office where she's like, I decided to stop drinking during the week. <laughs> but I was limiting my intake to after hours, weekends, you know, healthier relationship, not fully healthy. Clearly, I'm still on this journey. So I think I just need to be sober. Ugh, okay, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I would say the first like couple months of life outside of college, things were things were OK. I was managing um, after the after the 2016 election, things got more rough for me emotionally. And that correlated with an uptick in my all of my addictional, addictional intakes. <laughs> addictional is actually not a word, but I did just invent it. So at Webster, at Miriam, <laughs> I hope no one's listening to this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I start leaning into my addiction heavily. Um, if you, if you know, you know, the charcuterie boards were flowing, the wine was flowing, the weed was flowing. Um, for that whole period of like end of 2016. Um, and then like 
things sort of start to level out in my life. I'm like having life experience. I'm going out. I'm meeting people. I'm falling in love. I'm doing, I'm like having a job. I'm having aspirations. I'm figuring myself out. And weed is always like a constant part of that, but it's not so much at the forefront. Um, and, and that's sort of how things go for a little while. It's not always healthy. It goes, it ebbs and flows, but it's, it's manageable at least. But I'm, I'm always aware that this thing is something that I lean on. Um, and I'm always, I have these thoughts in the back of my mind of like, I, I shouldn't feel like I need to always have this in my life. Like there's going to come a time where, what if I want to get pregnant and then I can't smoke then probably, (laughs) or just like, I have this awareness that it's probably not a good thing to be doing so regularly. Like it would be nice if I did it like once a month or something like a treat, but it still was a near everyday occurrence and especially on the weekends or like unstructured time I would spend most of my unstructured time just like getting high and being with myself and just like you know not doing anything and it's not really living like it's not actually going out and seeing the world and living your life and there are times where that's good there are times where that's like acceptable and fun but I was I was just leaning into it more than I wanted to be but I also still wasn't really able to admit that it was it was an addiction yeah so it was this it was this kind of constant thing in the background for a while and now I'm finally confronting it because so basically um when I quit my job and wanted to embark on this new life um as a creative as a writer as a whatever I wasn't really sure still not sure weed has this interesting effect where it can really spark creativity and it can create, it can give insights. It can connect you to the divine. And like, for me, I was realizing as I started waking up in 2020, um, and, and by waking up, I just mean like recognizing that my life is, I'm the main character of my life and I'm in control of my life and my decisions and everything that I, everything that happens in my life is a direct result of something that I chose, whether or not, um, it's something being done to me. It's still something that I chose to participate in. So I, I, I don't want to like trigger people with that, but like that's sort of the, that's sort of how I've been going about my life. And um, I was realizing like, well, weed feels like something that I can't really control right now. When the pandemic started, I basically took that as an excuse to get high all the time. I mean, I don't really remember, <laughs> of course, because my memory is shot because of my drug use. Um, <laughs> I don't remember like how often I was doing it. But with my girlfriend at the time, <clears throat> she was into weed too. Not as much as I was. And I think I had sort of a negative impact sometimes on her. Um, but it just so happened that the pandemic coincided with quitting my job for me and entering and embarking on this new life as a creative person where I was going to need to be more in command of my own time and really take my power back. And if you'll recall, I've always been very comfortable and willing and actually happy to give my power away. So taking it back was like a whole painful experience where 
I didn't really know what to do with it at first. And I just kind of let it sit there for a while. And all my time was just sort of being wasted. I couldn't figure out why I didn't want to do any of the stuff that I said I wanted to do. I would like try to sit down and write and I couldn't really. And I would just go outside or like smoke weed or like watch Tiger King and shit. Like it was just, you know, obviously (laughs) it was a bad time for everyone. And, um, you know, it's no wonder that a lot of us slipped back or backslid into, you know, addictive behaviors or, you know, quote unquote negative behaviors. It was just coping mechanism. And I think the relationship started to become more clear to me when I saw that, when I was like, oh, I'm using this to cope. Oh, have I been using this to cope this whole time? (laughs) And then, of course, the trauma unpacking. So you know, without getting into the details, like I started to be a lot more introspective and like engage with some of my tendencies. And uh, I was in this relationship that was constantly triggering me. And so I was like having to deal with why I was always heightened and triggered. And, and then, you know, the weed would be the thing that I sort of turned to, to calm me down or to, to regulate my emotional body. And I'm like, why can't I just do this myself? Like, why do I feel like I have to lean on this thing? And so, uh, you know, I just started to be more aware and observational of my patterns. I wasn't changing them. I wasn't doing anything about it. Um, but I was just noticing. And I was talking about it in therapy and um, trying to be... Because I had I had been really resistant to admitting that it was a problem for a long time in therapy and elsewhere. And 2020 was when I finally admitted to my therapist that I felt like I had a problem. And when I, once I said that, I was like, okay, it's sort of easier for me now to deal with this on an emotional level. And then doing more like nervous system regulation through breath work and meditation and all of what's necessary in order to actualize yourself creatively, I feel. Not everyone has to do this, but I am someone who just, I've been very resistant to my creative process. Um, I have been... It's like I have this knowing of these things I want to do and I, I know that I want to put myself out there and express myself. I just feel like I exist to express myself and to create and that's what I want to do with my life. But then I go to do it and I can't. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about like um, early 2020 pandemic vibes. I want to bring it into the now. So right now, um, I love how I've been talking about this as though I've done anything to change my habits but the reality is I'm still very much addicted to weed (laughs) nothing has changed um (laughs) except things have changed like I think one thing I want to talk about is like the the evolution of the why of why I'm doing it because before and when it first started it was very much to stave off negativity to stave off pain to feel better about myself to feel worthy like there was this level of when I'm high, I feel just like love and goodness and the joy in the world and I can feel it all and I can connect to it. Um, and I can only have that when I'm high. And, and, and now, um, my relationship has evolved with it to where I, I no longer need it for that. And that's what I've noticed. I I keep like, especially when I first started this podcast, like one of the reasons that I called it junior high was, a sort of inside joke with myself because I thought and assumed that I would be high for 
the recordings of these episodes because in the last year, weed has been how I've connected to my channel where I've been able to hit the pen a little bit or smoke a little bit out of the bowl and downloads just come to me, insights come to me and I'm able to translate them into words and I actually just sit literally in my room and I would just talk to myself and talk myself through an experience or talk myself um, through a download that I was receiving Um, and that's how I sort of got the idea of doing this podcast because I was like, great, I have this, I have this channel and I can use it to speak my truth. And, um, I love that. That's so fun. And I, I always sort of factored weed into that. I always was sort of like, well, weed is my connector. Weed is the bridge between me and the higher dimensions. But what I'm realizing is that every time I like in the beginning, when I would record, I was recording a bunch of like test episodes um, just to like see what it was like. And when I would get stuck, I would just hit the pen and assume that that was going to give me what I needed. And what I realized was um, with the microphone, it doesn't work. (laughs) Once the microphone is on, this shit does not work. It's immediate brain fog. It's the opposite. It's the it's the sort of paradox of weed where it it allows you to have these creative insights, but they're fleeting, you know? You forget about them within 10 seconds or you lose your train of thought because you can't get from the beginning of the sentence to the end of the sentence. It's that classic like stoner trope of stereotype. And even though I wasn't experiencing it that way when I was just sitting in my room, no microphone, everything changed with the microphone. And so I think I've realized that I finally have a motivation to cut down on my marijuana use because I can't do this podcast with it. Like I also just, I feel, I remember in like 20, what was it? 2017 when Miley Cyrus put out um, her album Younger Now. (laughs) I'm a big Miley fan. Anyone who knows me knows that. I love her. And um, I remember she had said in that era of her life, um, she had, she was doing like a detox from weed. And I remember being like, wow, I don't even know you. I don't even recognize you anymore. <laughs> like, I was just like, people change, man. And like, not for the better. <laughs> um, but I feel that way. I feel like I have this mission now I have this purpose in my life that I want to show up for and weed you know despite its benefits despite its you know its important role in my life it doesn't facilitate good product doesn't facilitate um, good good creative work for me Um, I know some people can work really well with it and that's amazing for them (laughs) they probably don't have this type of relationship with it as I do Um, They do not have an abusive relationship towards weed. Where are we at time-wise? 38. Okay. Should probably wrap this up soon. Um, Where are my notes? Once again, I I feel like I keep going to them, like waiting for them to save me from this. Yeah, it's the, it's um, the ADD too. Like, I don't know if I have ADD. I've never been diagnosed with a single damn thing in my life. Um, I just say these words like as if, (laughs) as if like they have any meaning. I 
have always had an issue with attention. Um, I've been able to read for a long periods of time when it's something that I want to do. But when it's like a school assignment, oh, please, like get over yourself. Like girl is not doing it. She's going to just like do the bare minimum, like read four pages and then kind of suddenly be aware that she knows everything about The Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner. Um, But it's not helping with my ADD. And it's like this weird thing too where like, especially when I'm in the void or when I'm doing, like I'm a freelancer and I um, spend about like, you know, four to six hours a day doing freelance writing work. um, And it's so boring to me. (laughs) As soon as it becomes something that I'm doing for money, it's like, or for some other person, I, it's extremely boring. I, I can't focus even when it's something that I like should and do am sort of interested in. Like, it's weird. I, I just, I, I experienced this like profound boredom. And so lately I've been turning to weed to make it interesting, to make my life interesting, to feel not bored um, by it. And all it does is prolong the amount of time I have to spend on it because I can't actually focus and do the work in an efficient way. And I'm constantly getting distracted by social media and text messages and other shit. Um, and that would happen probably regardless, um, because there's just so much right now. There's so much stimulation, but I think the weed, it heightens that level of like, I just want to, I want to get distracted. I want to, you know, it's like this ADD thing again, like not using any actually actual definitions of medical terms here. Please do not. I'm not like a doctor. I'm not an expert. I'm just a person. (laughs) Okay. I sort of just wanted to talk about this and talk myself through it and actually just like come clean by Hilary Duff. Like (laughs) I, I wanted to, I wanted to say this because I don't feel like there's enough conversation around like the way that we have collectively started to misuse weed. I feel like I know a lot of people who maybe have similar, maybe not as, as exaggerated as mine, but who have similar experiences, especially now. Like I totally get it. It's, one of the only like joys um of life (laughs) right now like it can be also like there are pros to it like there are pros to having weed in my life and it's to me it reminds me of my food addiction because it's like I'm not gonna stop eating food and so it's not about cutting it out it's about changing your relationship to it and I keep thinking that I need to change my relationship to it. Otherwise, I need to just cut it out. And I don't want to cut it out. When I think about cutting it out, it makes me so sad. It makes me feel like I'm losing a friend or something. It makes me... And I think that's another just thing that I'm working through of like this emotional attachment that I have to it. Um, and this, these memories, honestly, that I've made and then promptly forgotten about. <laughs> um with this thing that I have come to almost like personify in my life as this thing that's always going to be there for me. That's no matter what's happening that I can turn to in times of need. And, you know, I'm learning skills about how to show up for myself in that way and how to not rely on any external thing, whether it's a person, whether it's a job or a drug or whatever it is that people turn to like it's you can find those 
you can find that solace and comfort within yourself, but it requires a dedication and a consistency um, that oftentimes you don't want to have because it's this um, chicken in the egg situation half the time of like, I don't feel good because I'm not taking care of myself, but also I'm not taking care of myself because I don't feel good. And the easier thing to do in those moments of not feeling good is turning to the quick fix, turning to the, the drug. So it's not about judging yourself or blaming yourself or shaming yourself, especially with, with weed, with marijuana, like addiction, I feel like there's definitely like a stigma, <laughs> destigmatize weed, um, it's there's definitely a stereotype and I've it's been funny like sometimes when I've told people that I'm a stoner they're surprised because they don't peg me for that they don't see me that way um and yeah it's because I don't necessarily like adopt all of the same like mannerisms as like I don't look like I'm from dazed and confused I don't know why we feel like we need to put everybody in some kind of category you know weed addiction has many faces (laughs) So I guess I just want to say to anyone listening to this who has a problem, especially with weed, you're not alone and there's no shame in it. Um, Just observe it. Try to look at it and, you know, observe when you want to. Like I there was a something happened yesterday. Um, There was gun violence in my on my street and I have never experienced. I'm a very, very privileged person and I've always lived in places that have been pretty much free of gun violence and there was gun violence on my street and someone died and I was really you know shaken up by it noticeably upset and um one of my first impulses was to smoke despite the fact that I had already smoked like three times that day like it wasn't like I had been depriving myself all day and then was like experiencing an intense emotion so wanted to calm myself down I was like no I've had this today. I was like, Carrie, you are feeling bad. Understandably, this terrible tragedy happened and it was very close to where you live. But like, this is not the answer. Like, this is not going to solve it for you. Like, actually, unfortunately, you do have to just feel the shit you're going through right now. And I think that's the other thing, like, with the addiction is it, it's, it's always... I talk about how it's, you know, it's now, it's boredom, and now it's, it, but it is always an emotional response. It is always something deeper than just, I want to do this recreationally because it's fun, or I want to do this socially with my friends. It's, it's for me, it's like, I'm feeling negative, I need to smoke. I'm feeling angry, I need to, oh my God, don't even talk to me about anger. I'm fully dealing with the inner beast of anger that I have just, I have just fully sedated for 28 years now of my life like there is like a sleeping beast within me that is waking up as I'm starting to come out of or even just be in more awareness of the ways that I have put it to sleep and good fucking lord is that shit powerful and I'm scared of it (laughs) I am Ooh, that's going to be tough. I'm it's still it's still, you know, it's 6 a.m. for the beast, like it's not fully out yet. It's funny because I'm sure people are like, "No, I've seen it." Like people in my life are definitely like 
No, I'm, it's definitely awake and out, but I haven't fully, like, anyway, I haven't fully dealt with it, but that's topic for another day. Um, I know I was going to talk about the freeze trauma response, but I feel like it's obvious. Like, so if you don't know, there's trauma responses. I actually just learned that freeze and fawn, like, technically aren't trauma responses, but I don't really know how to articulate that. So I'm just going to say that it's a trauma response. Um, I'm just going to kind of spread misinformation. Um, <laughs> but so there's fight flight fawn and freeze and these are the trauma responses I think there's a fifth one but I don't remember it anyway when I learned about them in my book complex PTSD not my book someone wrote the book that I read called complex PTSD from surviving to thriving um highly highly recommend it to any child of boomers I just think no matter the scale of what you went through it's worth just like looking at and and thinking about how you have responded and maybe thinking about the ways that you're still responding to it even though you are safe and and you have left that situation but um i think it's interesting that weed sort of mimics the free, the freeze response that i've always had so i've i've always had that tendency to when i see you know it's the it's the pita millark or whatever is that his last name um it's the i'm gonna hide in the mud and wait and and disguise myself and wait for this for this monster to leave you know um it's that in the body so i have loved the freeze trauma response that's the thing that i gravitate towards um as a child and today and uh weed is is an interesting facilitator i think of that because it sort of keeps you it keeps you it keeps you staying still it it's, it's just like yeah i'm going to into couch you know i'm going to i'm going to be still and it's also um just as an aside like it's it's also i i wonder about the ways that when i go to be creative the resistance that i experience it's like weed has a way of of allowing the resistance to win, um, of saying, well, I'm experiencing this resistance, so might as well lean into that instead of trying to maneuver my way through it. And I've noticed the ways that I my body starts to shut down. It doesn't happen as much anymore. Like it, sometimes, yes, but I think in the last year, um, in the pandemic when I was like trying to write this book and trying to you know, figure my shit out and like still am. Obviously, all of that stuff is still true. A pandemic is still happening. I'm still trying to figure my shit out. Um, but I've noticed that my body starts to shut down when I try to do some creative thing. And the ways that I have instead just been like, well, I'm going to smoke now because I, you know, can't I can't do this thing. So might as well just like lean into it. Um, okay, but yeah, so if you're someone, I think I was going to give like words of encouragement and then I just got off on a tangent. Um, if you're someone who struggles with weed addiction or any addiction, um, there's no shame in it. You're not alone. It makes sense. Honestly, I personally think that under the circumstances of our world, addiction and mental illness are natural responses to the structures of our world to the oppression to the oppressiveness of our world and so i think that those are like extremely normal and almost like rational responses to living in 2021 um especially if you live in america where it 
things haven't been more grim. They probably will get more grim at some point. Um, but, you know, we're all just individuals trying to feel okay. And it, sometimes we need help. So, and just think, it could be worse. You could be a workaholic. Can we talk about that for a second? Because do not come to me with your addiction and then expect to be praised for it. No, 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 no. All addictions are treated equally in this house, honey. Yours is not better just because you make a paycheck from it. Yours is not better because people rely on you for to be a martyr. <laughs> why, am I, why am I talking down to them? I'm like, I get so irritated when someone tries to act like they're on some fucking moral high ground with their addiction. They're like, well, I just worked 80 hours this week. Fuck off. You shouldn't do that. That actually makes everything worse for all of us. So stop. Like all the rest of us are in our addictions because we're trying to escape this shit. And what are you doing? Leaning further into capitalism? No, no, no. Get away from my space. I do not want you in my energy. Leave. Workaholics no, are not welcome here. <laughs> Just kidding, you're welcome. Everyone's welcome. But please stop working so much. It really makes the rest of us look bad. <laughs> um, okay, I kind of want to end this because I feel like it was long. I also am tired. So um, thank you for joining. I hope this was interesting or entertaining at any point. Um, you can subscribe to this if you want. You can follow me on social media. I'm at I'm Carrie Keys. I don't know. You can find me. Um, I don't even know why I just plugged that. My Instagram is like a series of just cringe post after cringe post. It's fun. Join me. Um, all right. I will see you guys next time. Bye.